Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we celebrate the spontaneous story slammers from last season with our annual story competition, Slammer of the Year, Battle of the Bands. We broke our favorite storytellers from the season into two groups who became the bands Slam Punk 5, managed by Patty O'Hara, and 63, managed by Beth Norton. Each storyteller chose a song to inspire a story. Then the audience requested their favorite band to go on to compete for the title Slammer of the Year by responding to a randomly picked song. Recorded live at the Outdoor Amphitheater at Jump in downtown Boise, it's story time. Hello, hello, welcome to Slammer of the Year 2022! Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger, and we are so excited to, I mean, can you believe this weather we're having at the end of September? Normally at this show, uh, by intermission, I'm like in a coat and I'm shivering a little bit. Um, Tonight, it is swarthy. Very nice. Um, So I want to, first off, thank our show sponsor. Please join me in thanking the Record Exchange. And also, I want to thank these people who offer us support on a monthly basis. If you're a story subscriber, would you just raise your hand a little bit, uh, pump the roof? All right, thank you, story subscribers. And if you would like to be a story subscriber, you can use your phone to text story sub, all is one word, to 44321. And I've been told I have to explain that a little more. So what it means is you open your message app, and in the to field, you put 44321, and your message that you type is story sub, and then you uh, send it. <laughs> and that gives you tickets to each of our shows and also some other special events, and we appreciate that. So tonight we are here for a celebration of our story slammers. These are the people who sometimes very spontaneously write their name on a ticket and go up to our booth and drop it in, and during the show we draw their name. And some of times someone else put their name in, we try to discourage that, but in any case, our uh, band managers tonight have gone through and selected storytellers that they wanted to bring back uh, for the chance to be named Slammer of the Year. So in the first act, uh, you all are gonna hear all 10 storytellers alternating from each team, and then at intermission, you will call our request line and tell us which band you would like to see go forward, just like the old days when we called the radio stations to request a song or do a dedication. And then in act two, the team that moves forward will tell a three-minute story, and this will be done by a random song that you all submitted. We'll pull that out, and then we'll pull out a random storyteller and put them together. And so they'll hear the title of the song, they'll hear the song as they're coming up, and they'll, in true slammer celebration style, they'll have to come up with a story as they're walking to the stage that somehow relates to the song. So that will be very exciting. And then we'll name Slammer of the Year. Uh, but you know what, I cannot, it seems like my hair actually is exactly made for this show. I should pull it, like, Wendy, can you give me some kind of head banging music? All right, let's release this. What you got? Stop, I had something. Wait, where'd it go? All right, I'm yes. ready to release. You are. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's so much tension building. I gotta be free. Come on, come on. <laughs> 
some people, so. Also, I made myself dizzy. And I think I maybe did something to my neck. All right. No more of that. Okay. Yes, I need a massage. All right. Let me... Uh, so at the end of all this, we'll be giving away our Slammer of the Year trophy. We've had some great trophies over the years, and this year is no exception. I'm going to show it to you now. It came from Istanbul. <laughs> I don't know why. The Slammer of the Year trophy in this glamorous bubble wrap. All right, there it is, and it's inscribed with Slammer of the Year 2022. So that is what we will be ultimately giving to the winner of the Storyteller. However, the winning team, all members of the winning team, are also going to receive a $20 gift certificate from our show sponsor, The Record Exchange. So they'll be winners too. And the other team gets to go home with their memories. Okay, now... I'm moving over here to our radio booth, and let's say hello to our DJ from Radio Boise, Wendy Fox. Hey, everybody. And sorry, Jody, I totally missed your cue. That's okay. I needed, more, <laughs> I needed more time to warm up. No, I just, like, this is, this is what, you know, when people are looking at you, when I do DJing, I just am in the booth by myself, and I yeah. don't really see anybody, and I needed to just move the thing over there. You gotta move the thing. Yeah, I did, so thanks for... You are awesome. Thank Good you. Good banging. Thank you. I, I feel free now. Uh, each of our teams has a story studio guide coach who we're calling band managers tonight. We're going to meet them now. First, I want to bring up the winning story coach from Slammer of the Year Double Feature, which was back in 2020. Please welcome the band manager, Patty O'Hara. <laughs> Hi, Patty. Welcome back. Hello, Jody. Oh, my goodness. She comes with an accent this evening. <laughs> I feel I am not punk after all. I look more like a French something or other. So. And what is the name of your band? We are Slam Punk Five. Ah, I see. Yeah. A lot of enthusiasm coming from the band back there. Very good. And how did you come up with that name? Ah, well, we did a little uh, brainstorming. I did a little brainstorming. <laughs> Oops. Don't eat the mic. And uh, we voted as a team. And uh, it just sort of fit, filled the, fit the, uh, the, energy and the, the, the energy of the team. We wanted something upbeat. Beautiful. So, yeah. And how did you select the members of your team? Whoa, I got to listen to all the slams throughout the season. That was, what, about 39, was it? Yes. 39, I think so, which was a great time. I had a few breakfasts over slams. And what uh, the way I, my criteria was audience response, so, and also energy of the slammer. I also liked kind of the flow of the story. But a lot of it was energy, the, the audience response, especially now that we've got a live audience again, it's really nice to get that, uh, to really get a sense of how the story's going. Beautiful. So I picked five good ones. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck to Slam Punk Five tonight with your expert band management. There's only stairs on one side. Sorry. 
All right, now bringing up our other band manager. This is the challenger. Her first time leading a team into this competition, uh, the director of our late night series, Beth Norton. Hey. Hey. And uh, this is a very unusual interview style where I just talk to the back of your head. I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no emotion. Uh, hey Beth, how, what is the name of your band? 63. In that number lies the essence. Mm -hmm. Is that it? What, what, mm -hmm. how, what is the significance of 63? So there is significance to it, but you won't find it out until one of the stories. Oh, I like it. Everyone listen for the little Easter egg in the evening. Oh, very good. And um, how did you prepare your team tonight? What was that process like, getting, getting prepped for this event? A lot of emails. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of get-togethers. We had two get-togethers. Um, one was over Kava. We actually practiced at an open mic. Um, oh. And yeah, one of my storytellers is remote. He's he's flown in from Joshua Tree to be here. So, wow. Yep. We we did our practice over Zoom. At at Kava. <laughs> that was at our house. In oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Good luck tonight. Thank, uh, thank you. You've got quite the contender with Patty, you know, just coming in here with her experience. So we'll see how it goes. All right, thank you. Beth Norton. I actually am really loving hosting from a table. This is so relaxing. I think I might try and set this up for everything. In this first round, everyone, you will listen to all 10 storytellers alternating from each team, and then you'll vote for your favorite album of storytellers by requesting the band by calling in. Uh, I actually did that once as a kid. I didn't do it often, but I called in to a radio station. You did? And it was like where you could uh, ask for a song and dedicate it to yeah. someone. Oh, yeah. So the song that I requested was I Love Rock and Roll. It was the cover uh -huh. by Joan Jett. Joan Jett, yeah. Jet, right? Yeah. I love rock and roll. Put another dime in the jukebox, baby. I love rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And I Perfect. and I dedicated it to Buffy, oh. but not the Buffy you know. Oh. It was my dog, Buffy. She was a schnauzer poodle who lived outside in the dirt. And she loved the rock and she roll. She loved rock and roll. <laughs> hey, let's try our request line now. We might want to put this number in your phone so you're ready to go. It's also printed on little sheets on the table, and it's on the Jumbotron around the corner, which will also be where you can go to review which storyteller is on which team. The number is 208-917-1970. Let's see, I think we have a caller now. Let's hope so. Hello, you're on the air. Turning it up. Okay, are you there? That doesn't work very well. I'm hearing myself and you. Uh, what's your name? Jim? Oh, hi, Jim. Wow, you were very fast on the phone. Good work. Uh, let me see, Jim. Let's see, what's, uh, I mean, hold on a second, I gotta put you on speaker. I'm gonna check something here. Uh, orders, Jim, who's a story subscriber, thank you for that. 
Okay, Jim, it looks like you submitted, you thought, the song that you would submit is New Light by John Mayer. That's the one you wanted a storyteller to respond to, um, which I find interesting because I happen to know one of your very good friends who's in the show tonight is already telling a story by John Mayer, and it is in fact New Light, so that would have been very easy for her. <laughs> Okay, now those of you, thank you Jim for calling in. Uh, I will not put anyone on speaker again. Goodbye. <laughs> and uh, some of the other, others of you tried to call in. You should have been going to voicemail. And then if we were actually taking votes, as we will do in intermission, then you could say the name of the band that you want to put a vote in for, and that'll get tabulated before we announce the winner. Very good, I think that's all as clear as mud. And listening from their table are our judges, members of the original Boise band, Dirt Fisherman. There they are in the back. They will judge the final five. Katie Shanafeltz, Dan Kretschke, and Gina Gregerson. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, Dirt Fisherman is a band that really hit it in the late 80s in Boise and have recently been coming back together. They're starting to create some new music, and you'll be able to find them again very soon, I think. They just did a show at the uh, Visual Arts Collective not too long ago, and other stuff coming up. So they're gonna be judging, they're gonna be judging the final round to decide who of the five will be the winner. All right, we are going to go on the air. Each storyteller is strictly held to five minutes. Their time begins when this happens. The on-air sign comes on. Can anyone see the on-air sign? Is it? All right, where people are pointing at it. That's a good sign. All right. Uh, each storyteller has five minutes. Their time begins when the light goes on, and then at 30 seconds, the light will switch to this. Ooh, wow. And then at five seconds, it, this will happen. Ooh, wow, this is so fancy. Story Story Night is really going places, you know? This is the best in LED technology. I mean, it is amazing. It's a remote control. I can do it right here from the table. <laughs> All right, but I gotta reset it. How do I do that? Okay. And now, here we go, everyone. Are you all ready? Are you feeling it? Yes? And now, our first storyteller up to the mic from the band Slam Punk. Oh, I need my watch. And I'm still getting voicemails. You guys stop calling. Uh, because we're not going to pay any attention until intermission reset. Okay. Our first storyteller from the band Slam Punk 5, he revealed in his slam during our flagship season that his job was to make politicians sound stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Amos Rothstein. Wow, it's so good to see so many of you off the dating apps and in real life. This is very exciting. You're all so pretty. So I grew up just south of Portland in a very LDS neighborhood. And when you are a Jew growing up in a very LDS neighborhood, you very much connect with the other non-Jews. So my best friend was a Greek Orthodox, including his whole family. They all were. Um, and my song that I picked tonight was Sheryl Crow's All I Want to Do is Have Some Fun. Now my family had no traditions. Uh, his had every tradition. Uh, and one of the few things that we had in common was the weird affinity and Pavlovian response to all I want to do is have some fun. When it came on the radio, everything would stop in the house. It, the, all the noise of the TV and the family would quiet down, 
and we'd dance. And if we were driving, we'd pull over to a parking lot and we'd dance. And no one would acknowledge this afterward, but we'd get back in the car or go back to whatever we were doing and keep moving on. Never talked about. His family, oddly enough, had the same tradition with the same song. He lived four houses down. Now, Gabriel Egley was, um, was my best friend in elementary school. And then in middle school, we got a little bit more distant. In high school, even a little bit more distant. We went to different schools. And by college, by 2010, we just didn't have any relationship at all. And a few years ago, it was 2019, I was filling out a form on October 17th. It was his birthday. And I remember that because we used to make a lot of fake email addresses to prank people with their own name. And every time we'd fill out a new application for an email address, he'd use his real birthday, October 17th. And I thought, what the hell is Gabriel Egley up to? And I looked furiously. I spent an entire paid work day looking on Facebook, <laughs> through criminal records, through white pages to find where he was. Couldn't find anything. Couldn't find his mother, his sister. I knew his, his father had passed away. And it was inc incredibly frustrating. He moved out of the neighborhood, and I kept thinking of which Mormon family I could call to find out who's still in touch with the Eggleys, to know what they're up to. And I went through the Rolodex, and I couldn't think of any. And at the time, I was living in Los Angeles, far from home. And about two weeks go by, and I just have to decide to give up. And I was. Um, going to work to catch the bus, and I was the only person in Los Angeles County who took the bus. So I had to be there on time or I'd keep driving. And I was running to the elevator. I get in the elevator, and I see a woman that looks extremely familiar, and I pause, and I'm like, where do I know her from? And I get on the bus, and I think about it all day, and I get back later that night, and I um, come back to my mailboxes at my apartment building and I see on the ground three packages addressed to his sister's name. This is hundreds of miles from home. After weeks of trying to find the entire family, I found the sister. Not only in my building, we shared a wall. She was in the apartment next to me for months. And so I called on my friends. I was like, what is the least creepy way to get her attention and ask her to tell me about what happened to her brother. And I said, a note, don't knock, do a note. I wrote a note. The next day, it's Halloween. I put the note on the door, and I missed most of a Halloween party to wait for this note to disappear from the door and then the eventual knock. I thought she'd be thrilled. No knock, no call. Weeks go by. I saw her three more times. I called out her name. She didn't turn around. It was very weird <laughs> and very startling. And I found out Gabriel had not been doing so well. Uh, the mother passed away. He had a lot of trouble with drugs and heroin, as a lot of people growing up in Portland ended up doing. And he had a lot of mental health problems. And I could understand why she wouldn't want to talk about it. And I respected her decision to not talk to me, as frustrating as it was. but. It seems so weird to come so full circle and not have any answers at all for so long. And a few days before I left Los Angeles to move to Boise, I saw her one last time. And I didn't decide to call her name. We made eye contact, we nodded, and we moved on. And the next day, I had two days left, and I kept thinking about Gabriel. And the chorus of that song is, 
I'd want to party until the sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was on Santa Monica Boulevard hearing those lyrics, and I just had a weird feeling that whatever happens, I think he's going to be okay. Thank you. Amos Rothstein from Slam Punk 5. All I want to do is have some fun. Well, we're having fun. Next up from Band 63, a slammer from our flagship season, please welcome Aurora Melman. Coffee, 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 wakey, 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 coffee, 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 yeah. So that's my song. Uh, back when I was in high school, I had a really hard time. I had undiagnosed ADHD, and I couldn't pay attention in class, and I got bullied, and I started skipping and going to concerts and painting my nails black. You know, I was one of the bad kids. And... Um, my parents eventually got sick of my shenanigans and they were too busy to notice I was miserable. And they decided to ship me off to a wilderness therapy program. Now this was not any wilderness therapy program, it was a Mormon wilderness therapy program in the desert of Arizona. And here I was, a Jew from Cleveland Heights, Ohio, who'd never heard of the LDS church in my life, much less been to the desert. So on the plane ride out, I was distraught and I just wanted to be with my friends. They meant the world to me and I promised myself that I wouldn't let them brainwash me. So we land in Phoenix and they immediately send us out into the desert. Now I knew I was in good company because the other new girl had stolen every squeegee from every gas station in her tiny Oklahoma town. <laughs> so cool. So then we went into the wilderness, and it was us and the tarantulas and the dollar-sized black widow spiders and raging rivers and snowy mountain passes and saguaro cactuses and us. Uh, they gave us a tarp, no tents, and we had a army surplus sleeping bag, weighed about 100 pounds, and we would roll it up with all our stuff in it and strap it to our backs with yucca rope, super comfy. Um, we had to hike five to 20 miles a day to get to water. And, um, you know, I knew even though it was torture, they were just trying to get us to believe in ourselves. But I was having none of it. None of it. Um, in the mornings, they would wake us up with this song. Coffee, 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 wakey, wakey, wakey. Coffee, 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 yeah. But they're Mormon, and so we couldn't get any coffee. <laughs> So I hated that song. And um, all right, so one day we get to our food cache a day early and we get a rest day, which was very rare. And I decided to go for a hike just to get space. And the, I decided to hike the nearest mountain. Uh, it was this big sandy dome and I wanted to get a view. So I start scrambling up the mountain and pretty soon I'm hanging on to like roots and sagebrush, which isn't very safe. And I look down and it's too steep for me to turn around. So I have no choice but to go up. And I scramble over a cliff eventually and up a rocky slope and throw myself onto the top of the mountain. And what do I see there 40 miles from the nearest road? But a wall. There's a circular wall around the entire top of the mountain, and it looks ancient. And all over the ground are broken quartz crystals which sparkle in the sunlight. 
It was the most magical thing I had ever seen. And later I'd, I'd find out that Pueblo and Anasazi and Navajo medicine people would make these sacred circles. I decided to get into the circle and I sat down and I crossed my legs in the direct center and I put my hands on my thighs and I meditated. And the wind cooled me and the sun beat on my shoulders and even through my shut eyelids I could see the rainbows sparkling from the quartz crystals. And I felt in that moment completely at peace and destined and like okay, like everything was going to be okay. So a few months later, they let me go home. They decided I'd had a change of heart and that I'd worked really well with the counselors and that I had been reformed, but they were wrong. <laughs> what they didn't know was that I carried that sacred circle inside of me, and I still do. So some mornings when I really don't want to get out of bed and I really don't want to face the day, I sing that song to me and my daughter Coffee, 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 wakey, 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 coffee, 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 yeah. You guys want to sing it with me? Yeah. Coffee, 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 wakey, 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 coffee, 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 yeah. <laughs> Aurora Melman from Yeah, we should. No. We should. We're neutral. We're neutral. Here. Yeah, we're just here to, to entertain. We're just observing. Exactly. That's right. Our next slammer shared a heartwarming holiday story about her family during Christmas getting drunk, shooting guns, and listening to choir music. From Team Slam Punk 5, Patty Bowen. Um, so in the summer or in the winter of my 26th year on this earth, I decided it would be a really good idea um, mutually uh, to end things with a person that I was in a four-year relationship with. Um, it was the middle of COVID. Everything was very turbulent. And I was like, now is the time. Um, and so I move in back uh, with my parents, uh, visit some family across the continent. And I come back and I decide, okay, let's get on some dating apps. Um, and so I decided I hadn't been single for most of my 20s and so I decided to set a very high bar for anyone that I was going to date from these dating apps. I decided I only deserve someone that thinks I'm physically attractive. That's, that's the high bar that I'm setting for myself. Um, and so the first guy that matches with me has no words on his profile at all, um, but I know two things about him. I know one, that he looks like a Boy Scout, which is absolutely my type. Um, and I know that he's a conservative because he's wearing bootcut jeans in all of his photos. So I'm like, great, let's go. Um, and so we go to get tacos um, and he starts off the date very strong uh, by asking me when I thought the earth was founded and then immediately telling me I am wrong about that because he learned from a podcast that scientists can't be trusted. Um, and so I'm like, this guy can't see him again. But then I watch him and he gets onto his motorcycle and I'm like, okay, second date motorcycle, that's pretty hot, let's do it. And so the second day, he shows up in his truck um, to the park where we're having the picnic, um, and he shares with me that very recently, the love of his life, the woman he was planning on having kids with, uh, passed away. And when I say recently, I mean within the last two weeks, this woman has passed away, and I was like, 
that's really soon. So I decided to let this guy go do his own thing. And I'm, I'm grooving, um, I find an apartment to move into, I've got everything there, but I realize there's one thing I can't move in my tiny 1998 Honda Civic, and that is my bed. And all my friends who are progressives, they don't have trucks. And I'm like, wait a minute, that guy, he has a truck. So I call him up and he says, yes, absolutely, I will help you move your stuff. And so we, we go over to my parents' house where the bed is, and this is the first guy that my mom has uh, seen me with since the person she thought I was going to marry, and so my mom runs out and brings out her calendar app and she's immediately inviting him to family adventures. She's talking to him about how much he's gonna fit into the family, and I'm like, oh no, this is terrible. So I, I drag him into my mom's uh, garden and I'm showing him around and at the edge of the garden you can kind of see my mom's chickens and I'm like, do you want to meet the chickens? And he says, yes, absolutely I do. And so um, one thing you should know about all these chickens is they're all named after the matriarchs of my family. So there's great grandma Lala and there's great aunt Evelyn and so I pick up great grand Lala, um, the chicken, and I, I'm, I'm holding it and he's looking at it and I'm like, do you want to hold this chicken? And he says, absolutely I do. So I give him the chicken and he says, what do you do with these chickens when they stop laying eggs? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. We leave them around. And he's like, well, home-raised chickens are the most delicious chickens. And I, I look this chicken in the eye. I'm like, is he going to eat my great-grandma? Like, <laughs> what? Um, and so at this time, my mom comes out and asks him if he wants any fresh eggs. And he says yes. And so I follow her and uh, him into the kitchen. Um, and my stepdad and I are kind of looking at each other because my stepdad's in the kitchen. And my stepdad's like, kind of, you know, ooh, this guy's kind of hot. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is hot. Um, and he asks me for a glass. And I'm like, oh, of course, assuming that he needs a glass of water. And in front of my stepdad, he takes one of these fresh eggs and he cracks it open into the glass and he drinks it straight. And I look my stepdad in the eye and he looks me in the eye. And we telepathically have this communication like, did this guy kill his last girlfriend? And is he gonna kill me? And that's why you should never go on a date with the egg man. Egg man, I don't know this song. It's egg a classic. Right. It goes back. This is Beastie Boys. Oh, Beastie Boys. Yeah. In the way back. You know. It's okay. Is it is it okay if your stepdad thinks your boyfriend is hot? Is that? Uh, that's never an ideal situation. The Beastie Boys don't deal with that issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are pretty hot. They're still, still. All right. Speaking of hot, I think we're going to transition into another hot song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here like, it comes. For real. For 63, it's a slammer from flagship John Mathai. Originally from South Carolina, he's, as he said in the show up at the Pioneer Room, he's bringing some diversity to our show. And if you think that's the only diversity he's bringing, you're probably right. And his song is, do we have it? Does it go first? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sweet, right now. Let's do it before and after. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, John Mathai. You gotta do it like this, up top. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so, 
When I was a little bit younger, I had a crush on a woman who at the time was at least a good foot taller than me. She was, and still is, because that's how age works, 20 years older than me, and was, and still is, happily married to a US fighter pilot. So you could say that my crush had a super solid foundation and I had a very high success rate. Um, and for those of you who know the song, Hot for Teacher by Van Halen, she was my seventh grade math teacher. She was uh, really beautiful, very witty, and really good at her job. So good, in fact, that when I got into the college that I wanted to go to, I wrote her a letter thanking her for encouraging me to develop a passion for math and science. So I was, at that age, a giant nerd. I probably still am. I was very uncool. I sat front left center of her classroom and made it my personal mission to everyone in the world that I would be the best possible student on the earth as a way of winning her affection. Um, it was maybe successful, I don't know. But I was a really good student, and everyone knew that I had a crush on her. So herself included, um, and my parents. I mean, literally everyone. Um, that school year was really tough for the school. There were a lot of administrative changes and issues that went on. So the parents got together, mine included, and decided to throw a big party at the end of the year for all the teachers and the administrators. And it was to be hosted at the community center in my neighborhood because there were a lot of families from the school that lived in my neighborhood, and it just made sense. Uh, it was cheap and easy and functional. My parents and I have always had a very honest relationship. And as the party grew nearer, they told me, look, John, there's going to be a lot, a lot of alcohol because it was a very stressful year. And so a bunch of teachers are going to get really drunk. And your English teacher, uh, he's going to spend the night because we don't want him to drink and drive. And I was like, that's great. Uh, I mean, like, whatever, I'm going to babysit my brother, and I might see him in the morning. He was also an assistant soccer coach and a family friend. No big deal. So that Saturday rolls around. I'm babysitting my little brother. We play Legos, maybe some computer games. And I call it a night. I mean, he does too. Um, and so I wake up Sunday morning, and I come out of my room, and I look down the hallway, and I see that the guest bedroom door is closed. And I'm like, oh, right, my English teacher's here. Um, like, he's probably hung over and still sleeping. Um, and I look and I see that my brother's door is still closed. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, he's still asleep. He always sleeps late. And then the third thing I realize is that I smell eggs, which is kind of unusual because on Sunday mornings, my dad makes pancakes or waffles. That's his thing. He's really good at it. They're delicious. And I think nothing of it. And I trundle downstairs and step into the kitchen and turn around to find my super hot math teacher sitting at my kitchen table eating a breakfast burrito, which would explain the smell of eggs. And I would like to say that I looked her in the eyes and said, good morning. Instead, I stood there in my boxers, mouth agape in dead silence, staring at her like, what the hell are you doing in my kitchen? Finally, my dad pipes up from the stove 
Hey, John, why don't you go upstairs and put some pants on? As if to re-emphasize that, yes, I'm in fact shirtless in my underwear, standing in front of my math teacher, who I see five days a week, and she's really hot, and I'm going through puberty. Yes, I will go upstairs and put some pants on. So I say, good morning. And I go upstairs, and I put on some pants, and I face my shame, and I come back downstairs and eat breakfast with my math teacher. She had been also really drunk the night before, and my parents made the wise decision to offer her the room above our garage on an air mattress uh, so she didn't have to drink and drive. And the whole incident was simply just banished from memory. We didn't speak of it the rest of my seventh grade math year, nor the following year when she taught me eighth grade math, or when we went for the trifecta and she taught me the entire year of ninth grade math too. Simply erased from existence. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we had a different view uh, here from the booth than you all did out there. That was a surprise. That was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that totally. So good job, yeah. storyteller. Yeah. There's a weird egg theme happening as well. Have you noticed that? We've a got, couple, I think, yeah. the Eggly family. Eggly family, we've got Eggman, and now we've got hot math teacher cooking eggs. Uh, Drop and chow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if there are any eggs in this next one. This summer slammer from lions, tigers, and bears is coming from drama camp where she got to perform the Lion King and sing, I'll be a mighty king, enemies beware. It's Sonia Feibert for Slam Punk 5. I've often wondered why my parents left Brazil. It's where my dad grew up, and it's where we spent the first two years of my life. I imagine if we'd stayed, I'd be a more tan, Portuguese-speaking, married-to-Brazilian soccer player version of myself. <laughs> I mean, it's paradise. <laughs> At least, that's how I felt when I was 14, visiting with my family, my parents, and my two sisters. We'd been invited by my rich uncle, who was not so great at business, but was good at embezzling. <laughs> we spent our days on his yacht, exploring the islands in this beautiful area he lived, Angaradosais, south of Rio, going back to his beach house to swim in the pool, eat churrasca, drink guaraná, eat papaya, and for New Year's, we got all dressed up in white. I borrowed a dress from my grandma. My sister borrowed a dress from my other sister. Actually, <laughs> forced to give the dress to my sister is a better way to, more accurate way to put that. Uh, we were not great at sharing, but really good at making each other feel guilty when we did. So Isabel's words to Layla were, do not get it dirty. So we're dressed up, we walk down to the beach. It's my parents, my sisters, and my aunt and my cousin. And there's palm trees and we walk through them to get to the sand. And pretty soon there's gold and red and blue 
bursting through the sky, fireworks that are being shot off from this barge in the ocean, brighter than the moon, as Katy Perry says in her song. And we're taking this all in, and then we kind of notice some other lights going off a little bit fainter. Someone is shooting off fireworks on the beach. And we're taking this all in, and then I realize the smell, that sulfur, that gunpowder smell, is closer. And I grab my sister Isabel's hand, and not only is the sound closer, the lights are closer. And the fireworks that have been shot off from the beach are someone is miscalculated and are now being shot into the beach, into the crowd. And I go with my first instinct and I grab Bazil's hand and run back to the palm trees to that safety. And it's just chaos. The oohs and ahs of the crowd turn into screams and yells. And somehow in all of that, I find my parents, but we don't know where my youngest sister Layla is. And we're searching for her. At this point, someone has gotten the fireworks on the beach under control. There's a little less chaos. And we see my sister coming out of the water. And she is completely fine, but her dress, or actually Isabel's dress, is shredded. My aunt had seen sparks going and pushed Layla into the water. She was fine, but my cousin wasn't so lucky. She had been hit in the leg, and we'd later find out her leg was fractured by a firework. The adults were so angry. My aunt was livid. We were not great at expressing our emotions, but really good at being mad. There was talk of beating up the security guards who were supposed to keep everyone safe on the beach. And as we walked back to my uncle's house, we were shaking and shocked and describing this all to my grandma, who's livid and agrees that we should probably beat up the security guards. And... <laughs> I think I kind of get why my parents left. Like they wanted to let their kids shine, kind of like a firework when it's a safe distance from people. Thank you. I was Sonia Fibert for Slam Punk Five with Katy Perry's Fireworks. You know, we're about half, we are halfway through the storytellers now, and I realized that there's a piece of information that I neglected to share with you at the top of the show. Uh, hopefully you've figured it out by now. Uh, but we asked each of the storytellers to come up with a song <laughs> that inspired a story. <laughs> I uh, never told you that. So I, yeah, there you go. Now you got it, now you got it. I don't know if this can save you from fireworks or not, but I'm gonna mention this book, How Stories Can Save Us, Between the Listening and the Telling, because we have coming up on October 11th, I think it is, right up there in the Inspire Room, which just started putting on a light show, that little yellow square light going on there, uh, our first Story Story Studio. Uh, and I met this gentleman in Ashland he, this last summer. He runs a company called The Hearth, which is very similar to Story Story Night. And he's doing a national tour, and he will be coming here to run our first uh, Story Story Studio. So you can register for that on our website, storystorynight.org. 
Or if you are a story subscriber, you can write us uh, story at story story night and just request your registration because that's included in your story subscription. Did you see the fireworks, uh, the potato drop in 2020? Refresh me. Well, it was un undisclosed location and it was on the TV. Uh, the the moment I'm thinking of is that they had the big 2020 that it was going to go up in the oh, fireworks. Yeah. And because we all sort of hated 2020 and we were ready for it to just blow up. And they hit the button to blow up 2020 and nothing happened. And then some crew guy just walked over and started kicking the numbers over. It's one way to get it done. Which kind of seemed appropriate for 2020, right? <laughs> nothing works. Let's just go kick it over. Um, everything's working tonight, though. Uh, although we do have a little bit of drama on our stage tonight. Just, we had some notice, so it's not huge drama. But one of our uh, story slammers was unable to make it tonight for Team 63. Uh, fortunately, their band manager was also a slammer during the flagship season, and so she has agreed to step in for that team member and share a story. So please welcome back Beth Norton. So in addition to slamming this year, I also have had the honor of directing Story Story Late Night. And thank you for that. Um, I have been trying to solicit my friends mostly to tell their stories. And often they come with two. Um, and they say, okay, I think I've got, I've got two stories on this theme. Um, and they'll tell me the first one and it's funny and it's light and it's very palatable. And then they'll kind of like slowly speak up and they're like, but I have this other story. And that's typically the story that they're scared to tell. And it's usually that's, that's the one that I say needs to be told. So when I found out I had to fill in, that happened for me. I was gonna come up here and sing to you like traditional summer camp songs. Um, but especially ones about putting your elbows on the tables and running around pools and gray squirrels and things. But um, there was another story that was pushing up behind that story that I knew I had to tell. So when I was eight or nine years old, uh, my favorite movie was The Bodyguard. Uh, yeah, co-starring Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. I was probably too young to see that movie as it skirts around the edges of violence and sex, but um, I loved the soundtrack the best, and I had it on vinyl. I would put it on every day after school and stand at the foot of my pink canopy bed, and I would sing all of the songs as loudly as I could, except the Kenny G ones. <laughs> I swore that I loved Whitney Houston more than I would ever love any artist in my life. And my aunt, who I lived with at the time, maybe trying to capitalize on what she knew was inevitable, or maybe um, just trying to challenge me a little bit, bet me $10 that Whitney Houston would not be my favorite forever. But she didn't know how deep my love for Whitney went. Um, in the movie, Whitney Houston is gorgeous and fiery and strong. And th these were things that I knew to be true or hoped to be true about my mother. My mother left me when I was three years old. And that was just old enough to form a bond, but not old enough to form many real memories. Somehow I also grew up with the knowledge that she was addicted to drugs and that she had an abusive partner. And just like Whitney Houston, she had one daughter. 
Um, I knew I was going to blank there. <laughs> um, I couldn't, I didn't know where she was. I couldn't feel her, but I could see Whitney Houston through the television screen and I could hear her through my record player. And every song on that album spoke to me in terms of my relationship to my mother. I wanted to run to her. I felt like nothing without her. I wanted to see her in every woman, but it was the most iconic and first track on that album that got to the heart of the story that I needed to believe about my mother. I needed to believe that she knew what she was doing when she left. I needed to believe that she was giving me up out of some self-sacrifice with my best interest in mind. And I needed to believe that she thought about me every step of the way, like I did her. I would end up losing the bet to my aunt sometime in high school, um, I think to Smash Mouth's Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. <laughs> Had a drumstick in your brain, so I've taken what your next files with the lights on. That made sense. Okay, like Acroban. And then, okay. Um, um, but then in college, I smartened up and I thought more about it, and I was like, no, like, there is still no singer that's ever going to come close to Whitney Houston. And there's still no song that's ever going to touch me like that song. And I got my $10 back. <laughs> Later as an adult, my mom and I would reunite for some years. And I imagined that I had gotten my mother back. But she was still an addict. And I was still a little girl who was trying to save her. And we were both still believing stories that we had needed to believe in order to survive. So this time I had to walk away. And now when I hear that song, I don't imagine her singing it to me, but I imagine me singing it to her and to the parts of myself that had to adapt and to believe stories in order to survive. Thank you. I would only be in your way So I'll go But I know I got a mesmerized by Whitney's voice we have another uh, bodyguard connection from Boise, I believe. It's not um, Kenny G, it's another saxophonist, right? It, well, uh, Curtis. Expand. Curtis Steyer. <laughs> yeah, like, where are right? you going? Yes, he's yes, on the soundtrack Steyer. to Bodyguard. Oh, he is? Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, my gosh. That's the secrets. He, yeah, that's where he made all his money. Oh, I had no idea. I just saw, yeah, I just known him forever. He's been around here making great music. Yeah, he's you know, on worldwide the superstar. Bodyguard soundtrack. Wow. Cool. All right, yeah, two of you are real excited about Curtis Tigers. <laughs> Let's see how that concert goes at the Egyptian this Christmas. He's really awesome. It doesn't have anything to do with the bodyguard soundtrack. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's hear how this transition goes from Whitney into, you guessed it, it's John Mayer. You're welcome, Jim. John Mayer in the house. From our last summer show, Ruby Slippers. Sarah John was wearing the shoes of a believer. Here she is now for Slam Punk Five. 
I am a big fan of John Mayer's. I am such a big fan of his that when I heard Amos' story, immediately what I thought is his friend and John are born one day apart. John's birthday is October 16th, 1977, and any fan of his would know that. John released a song not too long ago called New Light, and a lot of the lyrics in New Light speak to me, which I'm going to share with you. Several years ago, my really beautiful friend Lisa and I were sitting at Red Feather, and this handsome man walked in and he sat next to me. And as we started talking to him, we quickly learned that he doesn't live in Boise. He works in Boise and comes back and forth a lot. And Lisa made it very clear when she first met him that she is not available. She has a very hunky firefighter boyfriend who is now her husband. So we learned that about each other right off the bat. And he still chooses to continue to buy us drinks and food, which is very much the way to my heart. So we are enjoying conversation and food with him. And eventually, he asks me on a date. So we go on a date the very next day, and then we continue to see each other as he comes into Boise. And eventually we decide that we are going to take a trip together. So we book a trip to go to Park City, Utah. And um, the day before we leave, my mom calls me and she says, I have a feeling that he is married. And my friend, Jimmy, who called the number earlier and requested new light. Um, I called him because he's a computer hacker who probably got in by somehow hacking the phone system. <laughs> and I called him and asked him, can you find out if Craig is married? And he said, like any good terrible friend would, just go and have fun and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> So that's what I did, and um, I am really enjoying my trip in Park City. And we are eating delicious food and drinking great wine, and sometime on night two, he casually mentions his wife. And I know that I shouldn't have been shocked. I like know that. But I was, and he could tell I was, but he, his response was simply, I figured you knew and you were fine with the situation because you would have Googled my phone number. Ladies, this is not something that I knew that we were supposed to do. And so I was shocked and I decided, one, um, I can't do anything about it right now because I've been drinking, I can't leave. Two, I can't afford a hotel room at this hotel. And three, I'll think better tomorrow morning, so I'll wait until then. So in the morning, I get up and I go for a swim, and when I come back to the room, he acts like nothing has happened. He leans in, kisses me, and says, have a great day, babe. I'm going to work, which is, makes it clear how he could leave his wife to go on a trip with me. It's a work trip. But before he left, he laid out $20 bills across the counter. So I'm seeing everything in a whole new light. I'm seeing this guy in a whole new light. He is married. I'm seeing myself in a new light. I have a new profession. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> and I 
take a picture of the money and I send it to good, terrible friend Jimmy. And he tries to make me feel better knowing that I feel absolutely terrible. And he says, nobody's ever given me a thousand dollars. But the sad part of the story is that it wasn't even a thousand dollars. It was just like a few hundred dollars. So I didn't feel any better. But I decided I would scoop up that money and leave, which is exactly what I did. And when I got back to Boise, I got a phone call from this guy and he continued to explain, like, I thought that you knew, I thought that you would have Googled my phone number and you were comfortable with this. Friendship. So this is what takes me back to John's song. He sings, I'm the boy, girl in this case, in your other phone, lighting up inside your drawer at home, all alone, pushing 40 in the friend zone, which is not something I ever wanted to be. Thank you. Sarah John coming to you from the friend zone for Team Slam Punk 5. And feel free to spread out your 20s for Story Story Night by texting 44321-STORY-SUB. We'll take cash, too. You can just hand it to me after the show. Spread it out on the table. All right, and now, switching music entirely here, I think we have some Tish Hijinyasa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. There she is. Beautiful. And coming up to this song is a slammer from our flagship, Annika Bennett. Comes from a rebellious family and from Slam Punk 5. Annika! I'm sorry, no! That is incorrect. I gotta give myself a red light. Hold on. Bad, Jody. This is uh, from Team 63. A summer slammer from Good Witch, Bad Witch. <laughs> it's Horse Girl. Juliana Meyer. Hi. Um, this is the story that I um, was scared to tell. Whoa. Am I magnetic? Mm, just get in close, he'll fix it. Hi, again. Um, so that song by Tishinosa um, is a Mexican folk song that my grandmother, my abuelita, used to um, sing to me when I was little. And um, it's a song that I started singing to myself in kind of a, an act of self-soothing uh, when we lost her in 2020. Um, I picked this song almost immediately because it speaks to the core of who I am. And um, tonight I face the challenge of how to tell that to you, you know, how to tell a story in four minutes that's woven into the fabric of who you are. So I picked a thread, a strand, and I'm hoping that in pulling at that strand, it doesn't unravel all of me, um, but I hope you'll all be there if it does. So, um, yeah, what I have to, for you tonight is a mess, um, a true mess. My abuelita came to live with us when I was seven years old from Mexico City. 
And um, though it was with the pretense that my mother needed help, we really needed each other. My mother was about to petition for citizenship and my abuelita was losing touch with reality due to dementia. And um, yeah, so we found some comfort in each other. My father's American and um, I grew up a havesy, somebody who was born really between two worlds. Um, and as such, I could act as a bridge between each other, often in my own family unit. The thing about being a bridge is that um, they're strong on their own, but everybody needs them all the time. So that's why I chose this song also, because Donde Voy is a, both a question and a compulsion. It asks, where am I going? While also saying that you must go, Donde Voy, this like indicates a path. As my grandmother, my grandmother's dementia progressed, um, she increasingly relied on me to be a bridge between what she once knew, her past, and her present. And in doing so, um, she taught me a lot of things. I became a reservoir of all of her knowledge. And she would forget something, you know, be looking for something in the kitchen, and um, I would know the recipe by heart, or I would know the, her story by heart. So I would help her. I would tell her, you know, the next piece or the next sentence. And increasingly, that became my role. And it got to the point where she would have moments of lucidity in which she would say, oh, I don't need to remember. I have you. And I would say, no te preocupes, abuelita. Yo me acuerdo. Means, don't worry, abuelita. I will remember. I still remember. And so, um, I, I, carry that knowledge with me, and it is very dear to my heart. Though sometimes I question, you know, how much of it is me and how much of it is her. Um, I also question, you know, am I Mexican enough in many circles? Am I white enough in others? And um, I think that's part of the the, my new identity, right? Um, now that she's passed, I can see things in a different light. She would always say, un pez nunca ve el agua en el que nada, means a fish never sees the water in which it swims. And really it took her passing for me to reaffirm or reimagine donde voy. And since time is about to compel me, thank you so much, pero ya me voy. Anna Meyer from the band 63 with Donde Voy. And I almost Donde Voyed our next uh, storyteller, uh, where she was like, Where are we going? Uh, I'm going up now? Nope, this will sound very familiar because it's a slammer from Flagship. She's still from a rebellious family. <laughs> and she's still from Slam Punk 5. Now on our stage, Annika Bennett. I'm good, but first of all, let me say 
Hi. My partner Carson and I, who's here somewhere out there I can't see, we went on our very first date to a story story night back in June 2021. <laughs> and you know, in the first year of a relationship, you're kind of, you get into situations and you see how each person responds differently and that says a lot about who you are individually and also how compatible you are. So around the time of our one year anniversary, we decided that we were gonna go raft the Boise River. And despite having lived in Boise my whole life, that's something I've never done. And I was feeling very anxious about it because my parents used to be whitewater rafters and we have a lot of family that still are. And a couple years ago, we have a family member whose friend died on a, on a river rafting trip, despite being very skilled. So I know that even what people might call mellow waters can still be very dangerous. And we spent all afternoon getting ready for it. We had all our life jackets, all of our food, everything ready to go. And we're running back and forth to the car. And finally, we get to where we're renting our inflatable kayak raft. It's like a kayak, shaped like a kayak, but it's in a raft. I was too scared to get in a kayak and put my feet in. And so we, we finally get everything ready. And we set our raft down on the river. And we're both so excited to have this new experience together. And we start out. And I'm sitting in the back. And Carson's in the front. We each have a paddle. And we're, we're just going mellowly down the river. It's so lovely. And we hit the first rapid, and it's like a little mini roller coaster. It's so much fun. We're having a great time. And we're floating down the way, and, and we get to the second rapid. And he would probably disagree with this characterization of events, but in the moment, I said, don't steer us into the biggest part of the rapid. And he totally did. <laughs> And he, I'm like, left, left, and we're, and we're literally going into like the biggest part. And I'm like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? And we, we start going over it and immediately get stuck on the rapid in this inflatable kayak. So we're sitting there and I, I can feel that my butt is on a big rock and I'm just thinking, oh my God, the raft is going to pop. We're going to pop the raft and we're gonna die. And, and we're, we're just sticking our paddles down. We don't know what to do, so I'm sticking my oar into the water, and it's literally like a, like a suction. Like, the, the oar is getting sucked out of my hand in the rapid, and I'm freaking out, and like 30 seconds has gone by, and we're not making any progress, and we're scooting, and we're, we're trying to get out of the raft, and this paddleboarder goes by, and I say, what do we do? And he just is motioning us for, to, for us to put our oars down, and, and we're trying, but it's just not working, and, and then Carson starts trying to get out of the raft, and I said, get back in the effing raft. <laughs> And, and promptly lost my absolute S word. I don't want to say bad words, but I just absolutely lost it. And, and he was just tr trying to get out. And every time he would try to get out, I'd say, stay in the effing raft. And I swear we were only stuck for like maybe two minutes, but oh my God, it felt like eons. And I don't even know how we got unstuck. We just scooted and, and, and pushed with our oars and finally we get unstuck. And he's laughing and I, I burst into tears once we're on the mellow water and I say, next time don't steer us into the biggest part of the rapid. Oh, I'm just crying. And, and I picked the song Sweet Escape by Gwen Stefani because that was kind of our sweet escape moment. And, and the sweetest part was that he didn't care that I completely lost it. He was just like patting my leg and telling me it was okay and that we were totally fine and we were gonna have fun for the rest of the time. And we lived and wasn't that fun? Didn't you have fun? And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> and, and that's why I chose the song Sweet Escape because I, I was you know waiting to see how this experience would go and if we were gonna respond well and even though I was the one that didn't respond well, he was so forgiving of my bad behavior and I apologized profusely and I still feel really bad. I'm sorry, I will never do that again. But we had our sweet escape and in the end, we didn't even really need it because we were already so good together. I love 
love that, uh, that Annika calls the diversion dams in the Boise River the rapids. Yeah, they're very big. But you know, she's right. Any water can be dangerous. That was a good PSA. No, Thank you very much. That's true. And, but now I feel like way more sporty than I, because I thought I'd never been whitewater <laughs> rafting before. But I have floated down the Boise River in an inner tube, so uh, I am, I'm doing it. You're really on the edge. I'm really doing it. Next stop, uh, down the Payette, maybe? <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to push it. Okay. Hey, we are on our last storyteller in this first part of the competition, so keep in mind which stories from each team you're moving towards as we get close to the boating time. But right now, we have Holly Beach, who slammed during Hooked during our flagship, where we learned that she used to read a magazine that had both Bible verses and makeup tips. From Band 63, here's Holly Beach. Yeah, don't look too closely at my makeup. You might notice that I learned it from um, magazine Bible, so. But tonight, hi everyone, I'm gonna tell you about my first love. My first love was a tall, goofy baseball player named Brian. And he asked me to junior prom, and that night he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I look back at that time as one of the happiest of my lives. I remember getting home from practice and getting ready as fast as I could, jumping in my mom's Volvo and driving over to his house. And usually I'd be blasting some emo music of the day that my cousin had burned for me on a CD because she had LimeWire, I didn't, so I was at the mercy of her tastes. And I remember the night I got my first speeding ticket, actually, I was really in the zone with secondhand serenade. <laughs> I'm gonna sing it for you because I thought we were supposed to actually sing. <laughs> and here's me driving my little 16 year old self. Tonight will be the night that I will fall for you over again. Don't make me change my mind. And then wee, wee, wee. <laughs> Oh man, so senior year, you know, we've been going strong for about a year, which in high school dating, that's like 10 years of dating. And I get my big chance to go to NYC. And maybe not the NYC you're all thinking of, but no, in my world, the big NYC was Nazarene Youth Convention. <laughs> Every four years, all the Nazarene high school students from across the country came together for a week-long convention. And I have some friends here who went, who went with me, so that's great. Um, and you know, I was here at this convention, miles and miles away from my sweet boyfriend, that the first seed of doubt started to plant itself in my heart that we were supposed to be together. And that seed came in the form of the beautiful boy band, Christian boy band, Starfield. Give me a woo if you know Starfield. My only friends from NYC, yay. <laughs> so you can imagine thousands and thousands of teenagers in this arena all sing, I'm gonna sing again, just forewarning, uh, all singing in unison with Starfield. Jesus, oh holy one, I sing to you, forgiven. And you know, it didn't help that the lead singer had this like thick blonde hair that he kept brushing to the side, but I just felt like this nudge just calling from God in my gut at the time that <laughs> I was supposed to be with someone like that. <laughs> I was supposed to lead worship, my hot husband was supposed to lead worship with me, and Brian was very talented, 
very nice. Could not sing at all, could not play an instrument. And I didn't see that in our future together. So this whole week, I'm feeling very conflicted about what my future holds for me. I start talking to my friends, I start praying day after day, and finally the time comes to go home and I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get home. So we get on the airplane and I think, you know, I need just like a concrete symbol from God, like give me a sign. So I devise a little plan. I think of a number between one and a hundred, because obviously that's a very big sample size. And um, the boy next to me was a kid I grew up with named Jake. And I look at him and not giving him any context of what's going on, I say, Jake, pick a number between one and a hundred. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And in my head, I had the number ready. And it, the first number that came to me was actually the age my grandmother was when she passed away. So I'm holding this number in my heart, not really expecting him to actually say it. And he's thinking, he's like, okay, uh, 63? And my jaw drops and my eyes just well with tears. And tears are coming down my face. I'm like, 63, that was my number. He said it. And poor Jake, he's turning red. He doesn't know why I'm crying. <laughs> I just look out the window the rest of the trip and contemplate what I have to do. So I get home, Brian and I have a deep talk and we actually break up. I, I left out the little part about my numbers scheme, but we, we broke up. I can tell you today that I did not end up with a worship leader. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> but I did end up with a guy who can sing. He has a beautiful singing voice. You won't find him on a church stage, but you will find him at the local karaoke bar. He is known to have a mean Garth Brooks. Sing with me, please. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. Come on, Jake. <laughs> I showed up a different Jake. I was the last one you thought you'd see there. The last one to know. There it is. Thank the last you. one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we made All right, I'm throw. feeling God in my gut You'll right now. Uh, actually, well, I can't. I got friends in no places. All right. It's not God I feel in my gut. It's our season's, our show sponsor, everybody. It's the Record Exchange, Idaho's largest independent record store, celebrating 45 years of business in 2022, located in downtown Boise at the corner of Idaho and 11th Street. The Record Exchange specializes in new and used vinyl CDs, home video, electronics, unique gifts, and espresso brewed with homegrown flying M beans. The Record Exchange hosts live in-store performances featuring local musicians, national touring acts, and international stars, including daily events during the annual Treefort Music Fest. Oh, thank you, Judy. Somehow seems appropriate that she should bring us into the second act. Uh, actually, all of those songs that you were listening to or hearing during intermission are the songs that you submitted 
for our storytellers to be challenged by. So, in one of these tubes, I have the list of the songs, and then in the other tube, I have the names of the storytellers. And so we'll draw a song, we'll draw a storyteller, they'll have three minutes to tell a story that's inspired by the song that they just heard. And our judges are now activated. Dirt Fisherman, how are you doing back there? Oh, we lost one. <laughs> we have two of our three judges. All right, is it Katie that's missing? It is, isn't it? All right, Katie, return to your station. It's time for the judging. Do we have our bands coming back? There she is, thank you, Katie. And our bands, are you heading back to your places, our band members? One minute. Oh, okay. Natalia says we have one minute. Here's a caller. Uh, hello there. Hello. Hi. Are you calling to place a vote for a band? Hello? He hung up. It was probably Geico. <laughs> All right, are, are our bands assembling there at the chairs? We're getting it together. Oh, they're signing releases. Oh, that's what's happening. They're signing their story releases so that we can put this on our podcast. Um, it's released in th normally in three episodes. You get a slammer episode, a featured storyteller episode, and then the full show. This one's a little different. And then also the Sunday before the live show, so like this last Sunday, we're on Radio Boise on Sunday at 5.30 on Stray Theater. Okay, looks like our bands are coming together. All right, let me get my paper with the results. And now I can reveal that the band that will be moving on into the final round. Oh, Patty, go hold their hands. There we go. All right. First of all, let's have a round of applause for all the storytellers because you are all amazing. And the radio request phone line was off the hook for the entire intermission, people calling in and voting. But the team that's moving on for the possibility of being named Slammer of the Year, it's how old her grandma was. Ladies and gentlemen, band 63. Congratulations, band 63. All right. Now, if I could have uh, Patty, our band managers, if I could have Patty come up as well as Beth. Um, and Patty, I'm gonna have you be in charge of the song that the storyteller. Now, I should also tell you, since Beth is a band manager and her team has won, she is not going to be competing for the title uh, as the coach. So it'll just be the four members of the team. There are seven songs in here. So three of the songs won't be chosen. Um, so Patty will reveal the song. We'll do that first. Oh, you have to get it open. I know, this is crazy, yeah. I had to use a butter knife to put it on there. 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 And the first song for our first storyteller will be here. You can start opening that one. And Wendy will have this uh, 
queued up here. The first song is going to be 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. I bet there's a story there. And the storyteller who is going to tell us about it It's Holly Beach. Sorry about that, husband Carver, or is that his name? Is it Carver? Carter? 50 ways to leave you, man. Here it comes. Hello again. I don't have 50 ways, but I have 63. Um, okay. My story might be a little sad, but... So I aforementioned the Garth Brooks guy over here. He drove all the way from Gooding tonight to come see this. So we got together 10 years ago. And <laughs> like bright-eyed idiots, we picked out a puppy together three months into our relationship. I knew my mother was like, this is a bad idea. And it was. <laughs> But that little puppy was the best thing that happened to us. He he was just like a human, like an old, old wise sage of a human in a dog's body. And everybody knew it. Everybody who met him knew there was something special about this dog. And there would be times when I was tempted to leave Jake. 50 ways I was tempted. I was playing him out in my head. And that stinking dog, Oliver, I couldn't leave him. He had these big old googly eyes looking at you, fluffy long legs. You can't leave him. I do think that Oliver held us together <laughs> through some hard times. So um, a few weeks ago, Oliver started to have trouble walking. And we thought that he had hurt himself on a hike. So I start to baby him, feed him in his bed give him his water in his bed, carry him outside when he has to go potty. Um, did that for a while. And we just learned actually that he has cancer. So, and Oliver has been kind of our family for 10 years. He's been our glue. He's been our emotional support animal. Even like people that don't like dogs, like Oliver, like my sister-in-law who's traumatized my dogs told me, I'm sorry you haven't shown more love to Oliver. I understand he's your family. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, but Oliver did get very sick. And Jake and I went through a new journey together last week. And we had to say goodbye to our boy. And as he was going, I just thanked him over and over and over again for being exactly what we needed and giving and giving and never leaving us, and never taking or judging, just giving, just loving. The most pure, unjudgmental thing I have ever experienced in my entire life. And I can tell you that after he died, the outpour of love into our lives has been very incredible. Like four different workplaces for Jake and I where Oliver has somehow interacted we had people reaching out to us. I used to work at a newspaper. I had reporters texting me. No, not Oliver. We love Oliver. Um, he, he changed a lot of lives, and he changed our lives. And he would never leave us, and we would never leave him. And we're so grateful. Thank you. 
I hesitate to do it, but I have to. That was 50 ways to leave Oliver. So sorry. I could, I had to. I'm sorry. Yes, keep, yes. All right. One little piece of paper for me to do. Whoop. <laughs> All right. The song is, thank you, ladies. The song will be, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I'm sexy and I know it. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Here it is. For those of you uh, who saw this music video, it is burned permanently into your head. It involves those speedos with the wiggle, 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 wiggle. And uh, the person who gets to wiggle with it is Aurora Melman. I'm sexy and I know it. It's my jam, obviously. Um, play it every morning. So, <laughs> in 2011, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. I didn't get the entire way, but I made it over a thousand miles. And um, one awful morning, one awful morning, me and my uh, the guy I was hiking with, we'd been hiking for days, and we were disgusting and exhausted and it was fly season so that these biting flies trying to kill us and carry us away and um, we hike and hike and hike and hike and we finally get to town and this is a big stop because there's a house where our friends are and it's like a hiker hostel and it's supposed to be a really good time and our friends are waiting for us so we stand on the side of the road trying to hitchhike and nobody picks us up because we look like complete dirtbags, of course, you know, like serial killers. And we sit there for three hours in the baking California heat and finally a car pulls over and we get in and they don't do this, but they do say, well, we can take you to the hiker hostel, but why don't we go to our house first and we'll make you some barbecue. And what do we say? But <laughs> okay, all right. You know, so we go over and we call our friends because they have the number and we let them know where we are. And they make us barbecue and they do our laundry for us. And they watered us and fed us. And it's this gorgeous house on a hill with a big pool. And they even, after we showered, allowed us to get in the pool. So we're sitting in the pool. It's like paradise, right? We've never been anywhere so wonderful, especially after our morning. And we hear the sound. And it sounds like a party. And the next thing we know, there's this parade coming up the street. And the parade is uh, looked like it was about 50 people and they're wearing boas and they're wearing play dresses and they have masks, some of them, and they have tambourines and drums and flutes and I don't know what, and they're coming to our house. And we realize that our friends are in the procession and it's the entire hiker hostel has come up because they don't want these guys to steal their hikers. So they're demanding, give us our hikers back, give us our hikers back, right? And so this whole dirty procession shows up at this fancy house and they let us all go swimming. And after we go swimming, it is just, it's just a party during, while we're swimming, it's just the biggest party you can imagine. They have like, you know, the beach balls and floaties and there's like 75 filthy hikers in the pool and we're clean, you know. And, um, and 
I don't think I've ever felt more loved when the owner of the hiker hostel shows us that she's brought two costumes for us to wear back to the hostel so that we fit in. And so I've got this ruffly thing on over my hiking shorts. And I felt so sexy. Thank you, Aurora. We were trying to see who uh, submitted this song, but we, <laughs> we haven't been able to find it, have we? No. I think we did find... Yeah, is anyone out here claiming this song that you submitted this? No. They're not. I think Denise Williams submitted the last song, though. All right, here we go. Nice song, okay. The next song is going to be... Uh-huh. Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. And the person uh, coming up with the story right now, frantically in their head, is John Mathai. Uh, so first, two things. One, I will be keeping my pants on. Two, it was a custom job courtesy of my friend Madeline, who sewed a quick, easy, like, tie so I could untie them and they would drop. Um, so if everyone would, like, give her a small round of applause, because they worked flawlessly. Um, okay. I went to a public boarding school, which is a really weird thing that a couple states have, Texas, South Carolina, North Carolina. And I went to the Governor's School of Science and Math which is just a magnet school for nerds. And uh, it's only juniors and seniors, and the dorms are gender, gender divided because, heaven forbid, there would be like a pregnancy because you're technically wards of the state, and that would just send the state senate, who controls the budget for the school, into a tizzy. Um, so senior year rolls around, and uh, AP exams are coming up. AP US History is a classic AP exam for juniors and everyone crams and crams and crams the night before, and we all know it's incredibly ineffective, but we do it anyway. And so it's the senior's responsibility. We gather all the junior guys into the one of the study lounges the night before the AP US History exam. We cut them off at midnight. We're like, no more studying. You are not gonna learn anything. You're not gonna be any more effective. What you need is sleep. And instead of sleeping, we set up a wrestling tournament called A-Push Wrestling. We match guys up by weight class and we have them wrestle. And administration absolutely despises this. So they try to shut it down every year. But we move room to room on all of the floors, wrestling matches until they can try and catch us. And they finally catch up to us and one of the RAs is in a powered motor scooter and he blocks the doorway and he won't let us leave until the head of discipline gets there. And we're like, you can't do this. It's against fire code. Like we have to be able to get out this single entrance. And he's like, if there's an emergency, I'll back out. And we're like, okay, fair point. Um, and so one of my friends stands up and is like, Robert, I have to go to the bathroom. And Robert's like, suck it up. You've been wrestling for the past two hours. You can hold it a couple minutes more. And Thomas is like, no, Robert, I have to go to the bathroom. And Robert's like, I don't believe you. And Thomas is like, fine. And he looks Robert dead in the eyes and Thomas poops himself. 
and it instantly smells awful. Like, you can immediately tell that this man just pooped his pants. And Robert is just, like, mortified and backs out, and we all exit, and no one gets in trouble. And it turns out that Thomas wore an adult diaper in the off chance he would need to poop himself as an emergency scenario. And you know what? He did, and it was incredibly effective. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess it's not going to be a huge surprise who our, our next storyteller is. So we'll do that one first, and then we'll do the song. So um, just to go through with it all, to show that we really did have everyone's name in the bucket here, our final storyteller is going to be Juliana Meyer. And she is going to tell a story inspired by the song... One. It's by Harry Nilsson. There it is. She's walking up very slowly as <laughs> she considers what her one, her one story will be. Hi. I hate this mic. Um, thanks for introducing me with my real name this time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a song I'll never have to sing because I have a sister who's in the audience tonight. Her name is Camille Meyer, and she is just wonderful. I could not have asked for a better sister. And um, my first story slam, I, uh, I regrettably Regina Georged the shit out of her. I made her look real bad. So now... Uh, I have to come up with a story like this second to redeem myself because I'm feeling guilty. Oh, um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I have a story. Um, it's a horse camp story again. Do you guys know JMO Outfitters? Juniper Mountain Outfitters? Yeah, okay, there's like two horse girls. Not as lucky as my first night. Um, you win some, you lose some. I was gonna use a giddy up line, it's useless now. Um, but yeah, so we went to this horse camp and um, I was older than her, I am older than her, and uh, I was a counselor in training and so I got a lot of like really cool privileges. And one of those privileges was being privy to all of like the big girls' pranks and they liked to take the new campers out on um, these things called snipe hunts. Yeah, real lame. Um, they convinced these girls that they were going to go find snipes. And snipes were these like really, really cute things that had chocolate eggs or something. I don't know. Like there was a point to finding them. I forgot the point. Anyway, so we would go and like leave these girls in fields by themselves until they cried and then laugh at them. And I thought that was really mean, but I did it. Um, not my proudest moment, I did it. Um, so I'm Regina Georging myself right now in hopes that I'm being redeemed. Um, but yeah, anyway, so my sister was like out in this field and we're both freezing and I know about the prank and she doesn't and we're both waiting. And no snipes ever come. My sister starts to like nod off and like, fall asleep and I'm like oh my god this is bad we're like 
in a field, it's dark, I can't find my way back home really. I don't know where everyone else is. And so all of a sudden I see like these little flashlights and we wander back to the flashlights and she tells me the sweetest thing, probably she doesn't remember, but it was like the sweetest thing that anyone has ever told me. Juliana, I can always count on you. I know, the ultimate betrayal. I was really just setting her up to cry for hours in a field and she told me this. And I still feel really bad, but there it is. Sorry, Camille. And there you have it, the four contestants for the title Slammer of the Year. And now the dirt fishermen are tabulating their results. They're judging them on relevance to the song, the time, and impact of the story, and possibly also considering the story that they told in the first act. And while we are tabulating the results, Natalia, can we send somebody up to the judges booth to be ready for their results when they have got those together? We are listening to one of the Dirt Fisherman songs, which is called I Will Wait, which is what we are doing as we wait for the results. I will wait. Have the results from Dirt Fisherman coming in hot. And congratulations again to our team that will each receive a $20 gift certificate to our show sponsor, um, The Record Exchange. Here we come with the tabulated. Now, am I going to understand this immediately? Okay, I think I understand it. 14, 14, 15, carry the one. Okay. 
All right. I, I think I know who the winner is. I'm going to write it down on here. Um, and while, before I tell you the winner, I do want to acknowledge that stories come from the land as well as its people, and we are on the traditional land of the Shoshone Bannock people. Yes. You especially feel that when you're actually sitting on the land. Story Story Night is supported by public funding for the arts through the Idaho Commission on the Arts, the Idaho Legislature, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We also receive funding from the Boise City Department of Arts and History. Oh, nope, we don't anymore. That was a line from an old script. <laughs> as, as today is Giving Tuesday, it is not. However, you can still text Story Story as one word to 44321. No, you can't. You can text story sub. Who wrote this script? This is like from... You're a super pro, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is still true. Remember, you can listen to podcasts from all our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or go to storystorynight.org and click on podcasts. We also have a radio show. It's Story Story Night on Story Theater, which you can hear on the Sunday before our live show from 5.30 p.m. And you'll also be able to see this show and other flagship shows on our YouTube channel. Okay. The winner of Slammer of the Year 2022 is... Thank you to our crew, technical director, podcast engineer, Stephen Baldessari. Thank you to our photographer, Christine Birkenbein. Thank you to our volunteers and our volunteer coordinator, Natalia DiGiosia. Thank you to our board of directors, our story subscribers. Thank you to Jump for hosting us and to our show sponsor, The Record Exchange. Join us next on October 18th for the continuation of Story Story Late Night, cabaret style at the Visual Arts Collective. It's late night holidays, beginning with stories that still haunt. That's for the Halloween month, if you just don't get the way we're thinking there. We will return to jump right up there in the room that has no lighting on tonight uh, for, uh, let's see, that's on November 29th. It's actually our 13th year doing Story Story. And it's gonna be a season of senses beginning with taste in November. Then we'll go through the other four senses and then guess what our show is in April? The sixth sense, that's right. Okay, let me get the trophy. Got the trophy. I hope this doesn't turn out to be like the La La Land Oscars, where I say the name and the judges all jump in the air like, no! Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to introduce to you the winner of Slammer of the Year 2022, John Mathai! Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you at our next show. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to see the storytellers in addition to hearing them, this entire show is available on the Story Story Night YouTube channel. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. 
Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise, and our show sponsor, The Record Exchange. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Have a story? Call the storyline at 208-917-1970 and leave a message. Please subscribe to Story Story Night on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Find out how to participate in our live show at storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thank you for being a part of our story.